You want to be around people that are authentic. You want to be around people that are real and that truly care for people. And your guys' pastors have that. The second thing is he loves you guys so much. You guys are so blessed to have a pastor that truly cares about your walk with Jesus. Doesn't just care about numbers, cares about your journey, your soul, where you're at, what God's doing in your life. And he cares about you guys. Him and Holly have huge hearts. And the, just the word that came to my mind um, as I was thinking about these two is these two um, are invested. Wherever they are, they're invested. Their eyes don't wander. Be careful when you're around people that they're like, uh-huh. They're always just looking for the next best thing. Your pastors, their hearts, their minds, their souls, their eyes, they're invested in what God is doing here. And you are here, and so they're invested into you. They're not just invested in you. They're invested into your friends that haven't even gotten here yet. They're invested into your families that don't even know about this place yet because of what God is doing in you and because of their hearts for you. So can we give it up for your guys' pastors? Come on, can you, do, can you give it up for your guys' pastors? Come on, special, special, special people. Make sure you honor your pastors. This, uh, this thing is not the easiest. When you're dealing with people's lives, it's not the easiest. When you're walking in God's will, no matter what, it's not the easiest. It's still hard for people like us. It gets more difficult the deeper that you get into this thing. Make sure you guys don't take people like this for granted. Okay? Make sure you guys take these people, you connect to these people, you tether your life to these people, you learn everything you can from these people so when God says it's time to move on, you can look back and go, those are the people that invested into who I currently am now. They're, then you're going to go reproduce what you learned from these two because they're incredible. The second people that I want to uh, uh, just highlight is your senior pastors, John and Fawn. Uh, they're incredible. Chris and I had the opportunity uh, a couple years ago just to get to know them uh, more. And uh, one, I love John's hats. I'm just saying his hat game is strong. And uh, everywhere I go, I'm like, there's John. You can just tell there's John right there. Um, and Fawn, Fawn has such a heart for this generation. She loves you guys. I sat, we sat across from the table and just listened to these pastors. I'm like, my gosh, I feel like I'm so small because their hearts are so big for their community and for you guys. And so, and if you haven't gotten involved in a Sunday service, make sure you guys get involved in the body of Christ. This is just a portion. This is just a connection to what we are as the church. We are multi-generational, multi-ethnic. We, we are multi we are We are expanded beyond what happens here. And you guys need to make sure that you connect to the body of Christ on a Sunday and serve your pastors and serve your church and help transform your community and be a generation that they begin to talk about and go, that generation, that generation's powerful right there. That generation, they know who they are right there. They know how to serve, they know how to love, and they know how to give to their local church. Amen? Amen. Open up your Bibles, Genesis 3. We're going to be in Genesis 3, 1 through 12. Um, a couple things about, about me for those of you that didn't go to camp, um, we're going to experience Jesus tonight. We're going to experience Jesus tonight. If you're new here, welcome. 
We're glad you're here. You might not understand everything that's going on. That's okay. Jesus will reveal it to you. He's the one that can speak only to the human heart. God's going God's gonna to really speak to some people tonight. And um, my job is to, uh, is to make sure that I'm doing my best for you to hear what God wants to speak to you. And so I'm going to get out of the way. And uh, I'm going to let Jesus minister and talk to you guys. But one thing I know about church things is um, we're here to encounter God because we need him more than ever. We don't need church services. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. We need the power of God. We need people to know who they are in Christ. And so if you're here for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Buckle up because Jesus is about to Open up the floodgates of heaven on your life like never before. Let's just pray real quick over God's word. Father, we thank you so much, God, that you chose us to be here tonight. You have a word, God, for your, your family, your church, your generation. One of the most powerful generations I've ever seen. Father, I pray that tonight that they, would, they would come to know truly who they are in you. And Jesus, I pray right now that you would just continue to move in people's lives holy spirit come do what only you can do change your human heart push me out of the way and god i pray right now that you would enter into these people's lives and transform them may they never be the same in jesus name amen all right we're about to get into it and it's about to get real um all right genesis 3 i'm gonna read it you can follow along with me i'm reading out the esv version i'm gonna read genesis 3 1 through 12. Follow along with me. It says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Be careful when you're around people that say, did God actually say that? Be careful with people that are like, did God actually say that I shouldn't do this, that I shouldn't do that? He said, did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of this tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it unless you die. But the serpent, again crafty, said to the woman, you won't surely die, for God knows that when you eat of this tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she gave also to her husband, jerk, uh, who was with her, and he ate too. I would have eaten the apple, I'm not going to lie. Then, he, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid themselves among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, said, where are you? My question tonight is, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. You have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat. The man said, the woman who you gave me, gave me the fruit. I would have done the same thing. I'm not going to lie. I would have thrown Kristen right under the bus. I'd have been like, she's the one who got me an apple, man. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. 
the serpent deceived me and I ate. If you're writing down notes, I want you to write this title down. It's called Address the Mess. Address the Mess. You can write down a subtitle. Sin has made a mess and Jesus has cleaned it all up. Sin has made a mess and Jesus has cleaned it all up. Um, I'm about to tell you guys a real, real story, so don't judge me, okay? But, uh, but this is family, so am I safe here? Am I safe here? All right, okay, we'll see. Um, has anybody ever tried to hide something before? Maybe you broke a window, maybe you stole someone's clothes, maybe you stained your, your, your sister's clothes, Kristen, one time. Oh, that was Gretchen, that's right, my bad, I'll repent later. Maybe you broke a window. Maybe you hid food in your room. Maybe, maybe you did something. You tried to hide it, right? We all have this innate. When we know that we did something wrong, we have this innate nature to hide things that we did wrong. Let me tell you a story. One time, uh, I was driving my car. I used to have a BMW. Stupid idea. Couldn't afford it. $432. I was a high school kid. Couldn't afford my BMW, but I wanted to be cool, so I had a BMW. It wasn't cool. Um, but I remember driving my BMW one time, and I was going a little bit too fast. And, and at this time, it was, uh, it was wet outside, and it was rainy outside. It was probably like fall. It was cold. And I remember I was going a little bit too fast, and I came around this corner, and I slapped the thing in the third, and I literally turned the corner and hit this side of the curb so hard that my axles went underneath of my tires. And my car was sitting like this, and I was just like, Vroom you know like and then you instantly start to panic you're like you're like oh no like this thing ain't moving right and you're like you instantly feel that terror right you you've been there you instantly feel that like uh what am I gonna do now so um I got out of the car and what I did is I stared at the car for a little bit like hmm and I ran okay um I took off I ran. I don't know why I ran, but I ran. I got scared. I wanted to hide myself. I literally, it was, it was dark at night. I didn't know what to do, so I ran. Well, when I ran, I got so scared. Like, you, anybody ever get in trouble and you, like, make things up in your head, right? You, like, start to make things up. Like, people are behind me, and you're, like, running for dear life, right? You're, like, making these things up in my head. Like, someone's trying to, someone's trying to shoot at me. Like, you're, like, making these crazy things up. This is my life, right? So I'm, like, running. And in the midst of this running, I'm, like, I don't even know why I'm running. And all of a sudden, I start hearing in my head these dogs barking. And I'm, like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No, I'm not running from these dogs. These dogs ain't going to get me. So I'm running. I'm so afraid at this point um, that I'm running. I'm running by a river, okay? Now, when I'm running by the river, I thought it was a good idea just to jump in the river and float that thing down, right? Because I was like, oh, these dogs ain't going to catch me. The last thing I'm doing is getting bit in the butt by one of these dogs, right? So I'm running for dear life, and I'm just running along this river, and I just, whoop, Jumped in the river, grabbed onto a log, and floated that thing all the way down. I'm just like at middle of the night, just like floating this. What's up, guys? Right? Just floating down. But here's what happened. I was, a, I was so afraid. I was so afraid to stay with my car because I didn't know what to do at the time that the next morning, I, I had this bright idea. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to report my car stolen. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. So, yeah. Can I, can I be real? Thank you. Uh, Grace, all, it's, 
on me. Um, the Lord knows, like, and he still loves me. The Lord knows what you've done, and he still loves you. So I had the bright idea. I made it a mess. I made a huge mess, and I didn't know how to get out of it. So I reported my car stolen. And uh, I reported the car stolen, called the police, told them the whole story that I wanted him to hear, because we always do that. We want to tell people stories that we want them to hear. And they were like, all right, well, we're going to send a police officer out to your house. We need to investigate what happened the other night, and uh, we need to look at your car. And I was like, car's not here, but you can come. So at that time, I'm like, all my friends, you guys need to leave. Like, there can't be anybody else in the house. I lived, I lived with a bunch of buddies, and I was like, I don't want them to interview you. I don't want them. Like, I'm getting, I'm like, I'm trying to cover up everything that I'm doing. Have you ever been there? You, you know you've made a mess, and now you're trying to cover up every single thing that you've done. You're trying to cover up every lie. You're trying to cover up every person that you talk to. Come on, we've been there before. Now it's about to get real, Okay. And I was like, you guys all need to leave. You guys need to get out. Cop comes to my house, interviews me. I'm fine. I think I got away with it. Well, here's what happened. Um, oh, yeah, it gets worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Family, this is fun. Um, so they waited a couple months to re-interview me. And the reason why is because they're like, your story is not lining up, Jeff. Something's fishy here. So they, they kept like just feeding into it. No, no, no. The, the insurance, the, it will come soon. And I'm like, oh, my car needs to get fixed. And they're like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. But we want to keep asking you questions. Well, it got so bad where I started. They were like, you know what? Hey, that night that you, you guys were out, I, I need to interview some of your friends. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, which, which friends? They're like, just some of your friends that you've, that you've known for a while. I just need to interview them. So then you go to your friends. You're like, you need to lie for me. You need to lie for me or we're never friends again, okay? You need to lie for me or you're, you're getting off my Snapchat, okay? Like, you need to lie for me. We've, all, we've been there, okay? Let's, let's not lie about it, all right? And so I'm like telling my friends, I'm sitting them down. I got a whole document with bullet points like, okay, here's what happened. Here's what I said. Don't, no, don't deviate from the form. You stay on the form, right? Okay, don't deviate. I got, a, I, got a th I got something that I'm working on here, okay? And they're like, look at the form. They're like, all right. And eventually I was like, I can't trust you guys. Like, you <laughs> I can't trust you. You guys need to leave. And so I'm like, they left again. Well, the, the guy comes in. He goes, hey, where, where, where's your friends? I was like, ah, one of them had to work. And they're like, oh, we'll come back. I'm like, oh, listen, they moved. <laughs> like, now you're just, now you're just, your heart is pout. You're like sweating. Like, it's the middle of October. Why are you so high? I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm in a mess, man, okay? Well, what happened was they sent a private investigator out to my house. Now, okay, yeah, yeah. Yep, and I was still going for it. I'm like, I'm just going to create more of a mess. Here we go. So this private investigator comes out to my house, and he sits down. And he sits down at this table, and I got a hoodie on, and I'm like, just trying to act all cool. Like, what's up, man? You got some, you got, you got, you got, you got questions? You got, you got things? I got, I got, like, what, what, what's up? Like, and he's asking me all these questions. But before he asks questions, he puts a little tape recorder right in the middle. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this right here. I said, we don't need that. I took their tape recorder, just moved it aside. <laughs> no. Yeah, you try to get me on film? No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Right? So I put, I put it, he puts it back. He's like, no, no, I just need to ask you a couple questions. And I just need to make sure that I'm a documented right from your story and everything's going to be okay. So he started asking me questions and instantly I'm like, 
here we go. Like, I am in such a mess. Finally, I get to the point where he's asking me questions, and I just looked at him. You know you give someone that eye and your lip starts to quiver? What's wrong? Nothing. What'd you do? Nothing. Why are you so jumpy? Not, man. I'm not. Nothing's wrong. You're making me mad by asking me if things are wrong, right? And all of a sudden, he's like looking at the tape recorder, and I just looked at him, and I go, I shut that thing off. And he was like, oh, no, no, we need to have that on. I said, no, we don't. I shut that thing off. And he goes, no, I need to have that on. I go, listen, man, do you want the truth? And he goes, yeah. And I go, then we're shutting that thing off. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're shutting that thing off. Because here's the deal. I got myself in such a mess. At 19 years old, lie after lie, cover up after cover up, all because I wouldn't address my first mess. See, here's the thing, is we have to, as a generation, we have to address our mess or we're just going to wait for our mess to address us. And here's the thing about our mess. Here's the thing about sin. If we don't rip it out at the root, it will follow us. It will follow you into your 20s. It will follow you into your 30s. It will follow you into your 40s and into your 50s. And people are now going through things that at 19, 18 years old, they never ripped the root out. They never addressed their mess. They just kept covering up little by little, little lie by lie. And here's the thing. Our mess can be something as simple as, oh man, I lied about taking your shirt. Or it could be something as big as someone told you to lie about something that happened to you. Or it could be something as big as a friend that told you, you should never tell anybody that we did that. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we don't address these messes, here's what they do. They sit within our soul. They hold us captive so we can't be free. They remind us of the failures and the things that have been done to us, the things that we can't get over because the enemy will replay over and over and over who, what, and how we used to do things until we address that mess. It says in Genesis 3, this serpent, the devil, he's more crafty than every other creature on the face of this earth. He wants to separate you from the truth of God. He wants to separate you from the people of God. He wants to separate you from healing, from freedom, from the things that are going to make you free in your future. He wants to separate you from those. And all he has to do is have you not ever address your mess. We, here's one thing we all have in common. We're all broken. Here's another thing we all have in common. The same God sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us to receive his grace and his freedom. So why do we walk into church like, oh, I'm not good, but that person's good. No, no, no. At the core of who we are is broken because of sin, because of depravity, because of hiddenness. Adam and Eve, their first two humans, and what did they do? They knew that they were naked. They knew that they had shit. They, they felt these things, and what did they do? They hid. And who did they hide from? The presence of the Lord. 
Because when you're in God's presence, when you're with God's people, it's not to expose you, but God will illuminate things that are dark within us so that God can push those things out and allow his light to shine. And I'll tell you what, it feels good to be free. I'll tell you what, sitting across from that man and hitting that thing and telling him everything, yes, it was hard. But in that moment, I said, well, at least I'm free. At least I don't have to lie anymore. At least I don't have to fake it till I make it anymore. That's not a life that God created us to live. In that moment, this man looked at me and goes, you know what? You're probably facing probably eight to ten years of prison because of the, the mess that you made. And you almost had insurance fraud, which you would have taken from the government. And you would have been held accountable for every single dollar that you stole because you lied. He said, I'm going to take this back to the police and we'll see what we got to do. I went upstairs and I called my mom. I said, Mom, I made a mess. She said, she's heard that before, too. She said, Jeff, what did you do? I said, no, Mom, you don't understand. I made a mess. Jeff, I said, Mom, I crashed my car. I lied about it. I reported it stolen. I lied to the police. I lied to everybody. I told my friends what happened. She, what? <laughs> Jeff, this is what happens when you leave, Mom. This is what happens. I asked for pizza pockets. You didn't have them. I went out for pizza. Here we are. Mom, this is your fault. <laughs> you start pointing blame at everybody else. This is your fault. I want to give you guys real quick four things, and then we're going to let Jesus, we're going to let Jesus speak to some people. Number one, here's the first thing I want you to write down. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. So my question is, what has he been lying to you about? What's he been lying to you about? He's crafty. He comes in at the right time. Did God really say to not eat that forbidden fruit? Ah, you won't surely die. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. It's all he knows how to do. And if we could be a generation that knows who, what he looks like, through lies, he can masquerade himself and light all he wants. I don't care. He can masquerade himself as a Christian. I don't care what he masquerades himself. At the core of who he is, he is a liar. He does nothing but lie. He's the father of lies. There's no light within him. It's just pure darkness. And at the core of our generation, we have to understand that the devil has been lying to us way too long. The devil has been lying to us about our, 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 our sexuality, our identity, our family. He's been lying to us about our how we've been created. He's been creating a mess out of everything. And you got young people that are more depressed and anxious and, and, and going through things. The, the average person your age is dealing with anxiety the same level that in the 1950s a psychiatric patient dealt with. Not on my watch. You guys are the most powerful generation. No wonder why you're one of the most attacked. The devil is a liar. I'll say, I'll say it again for the people in the back. The devil is a liar. What, he, what has he been lying to you about? You're not good enough. You're never going to get in that school. Your parents don't love you. You should not go to church. You're not loved by those people. They're not going to receive you. Do you know what you just did? Do you know what's been done to you? Do you know what you did? Shut up. You're a liar. Get out of my face. You guys need to know what's the voice of God 
what is the voice of the enemy and learn to rebuke that voice. Or what's going to happen is you're going to be like, man, I feel so accepted there. And then you'll be like, no, man, I just don't feel accepted there. I just don't feel like God loves me anymore. The devil is a liar. I cannot say it enough. And I'm sick of him lying to you guys. I'm sick of him lying to my generation. People don't even know who they are anymore. Have you ever been spun around in a chair like, like 50 times and then you get up and you're so discombobulated? That's how we're walking as a generation. We don't know left from right. We don't know up from down. We're so confused because the devil has just been spinning us and lying to us our entire adulthood, our entire childhood. Now we're so wrapped up in lies. We don't know what even truth is anymore. We don't even know what truth is. We even question the Bible. Well, is God really real? He sent his one and only son to die on a cross. He poured out his love and his grace for whoever would ask for it, forever who would receive it and open up their heart. Not be perfect, just somebody that would go, Jesus, I am broken, busted, and disgusted, and I need you. And I don't care what my friends think. I need you. I need you. I've created a mess. Sin has created a mess of everything. And Jesus cleaned it up. I'm getting fired up here. Number two is our identity is under attack. If the devil can mess with your identity and who your creator is and who God is, if the devil can mess with your identity, he can, he can control your whole life. Because your identity is the central part of what, who you believe that you are. Who you believe that you are. Check this out. It says this, Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she also gave some to her husband. But Psalm 139, 14 says this. I praise you. I praise you. God, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. For my soul knows it very well. You know what we have so many people dealing with identity crisis? Because their soul is not at rest. A soul that's at rest knows its maker. A soul that's at rest can walk in here and go, man, these people are awesome. I got nothing to prove. What's up? What's your name? Hey, so good to see you. Awesome shoes. Love you. And I'm not even insecure one bit. Why? Because I know my creator. I know who I am. I know who I am, and I know who I'm not. I know who I've been created to be. I know what I've been created for. But we have such an identity crisis, and our soul can't even be at rest. And the serpent, he comes in in Genesis 3, and he begins to question their identity. Nah, did God say to do that? Nah, just eat of the fruit. Just look at it. What, here, here's the thing. Check this out. Listen to me really closely. Whatever you focus on, you will find. Whatever you focus on, you will find. If you focus on God, you'll find God. If you focus on the things that are broken in you, you'll find those. You'll feel shame about those. If you focus on things that you know you're not suppo supposed to focus on, you'll find those. Whatever you focus on, 
you will find. If you focus on Jesus and on the cross, you will find his grace being poured out for you. And you will be like, I don't, do, ah, I don't, I don't deserve this kind of grace. He'll go, exactly, because you're focusing now on the right things. You're not focusing on the shame and the guilt and the things that the enemy wants you to focus on. You're focusing on the grace that I poured out for you on the cross. And now, guess what? It's becoming real. Why? Because you're actually focused on his goodness and on his grace. Number three is trying to cover up our mess just creates a bigger mess. Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. Here's the thing. When you are saved by grace, you live with lights on, windows open. When you think that this whole thing is about religion, you will try to cover up every single mistake that you make. Why? Because now you want to present yourself as somebody and you try to push away the other. You want to present yourself as holy and you want to push away the other. But the gospel is, y'all, I am broken. I'm broken. I got dad wounds deeper than you'll ever realize that I'll probably walk through for the rest of my life. I had two dads leave me. I had one dad leave me when I was two years old, met him at 13, looked at me in the eyes and goes, I've been out of your life for too long. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Okay. My other dad was abusive and an alcoholic. I come home, he'd be beating my mom, beating my brother, beating me. Now I got to go. Here, here. Here's the thing. Physical abuse, I can get over. You want to beat me up? Okay. I'll get over that. I'll get back on my feet. I'll be all right emotional abuse do you know what that does to people do you know the things that I've had to overcome my dad saying over and over and over and over again do you know the 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 tape that replays over and over and over again and now I'm in my 30s and I'm married and it affects my marriage I look back and I go why does this affect me so much because I didn't address the mess so guess what I'm doing now I'm dressing the mess I'm not allowing that thing to make a mess out of my life and just ignoring it. I'll get over it. I'll push it aside. There is none of that. All that, it ha- all that we have to do is receive the grace and the goodness of God and allow him into our space to heal us. So now I can come up here and I can go, yo, I got dad wounds. I bet you do too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I love you. I know what you're going through. I did a lot of drugs and alcohol. In high school, I know what you're going through. I did a lot of bad. I rolled with some really dangerous bad people. I know what you're going. I know what it's like to be scared for your life. I know what it's like to have to hustle just to make some money because I got a single mom. I know what the. I get it. I get the struggle. You know what I also get? I get grace. Because grace has changed my life. Because I stopped trying to cover up my mess and I actually got real before God and I said, all right, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And he knocked me off my feet. Captured my life in one moment. And that's what I'm praying for you guys. What'll happen tonight. Fourth and finally, you guys, is you're not gonna get free until you get real. You're not gonna get free until you get real. Genesis 3, 9. But the Lord God called to the man, and he said to him, where are you? 
And he said, well, I heard you were in the garden, and uh, I was afraid, so I hid myself. And he said this, who told you you were naked? God looked at him and goes, who told you you were naked? How would you know you were naked? Who told you that? We're not going to get free until we get real. You got to get real with your circumstance, and you got to ask yourself the question, who told me this when I was young? Where did that come from? Who told me that I never amount to anything, that I was never pretty enough, that I was never athletic enough, that I was never strong enough, that I would never get into college, I would never graduate high school. So you know what? I just live under everybody else's standard because nobody ever set a standard for my life. Why? You got to get to the root of the mess. You got to get to the root of the lie. You got to get to the root of who told you that? When young people come to me and they go, I just don't feel good enough. I look at them. I go, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that you would never? Oh, my God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit you together in your mothers. There is no flaw about you. You are made perfect in his image. There is nothing wrong with you. You are beautiful inside and out. You are created in the image of God to shine for the world to see. But when we don't know who we are, how am I going to ever help somebody else come? Who, oh, you got dad issues? Yeah, me too, but I can't. I can't talk about that. Yeah, you want to go to that party? Yeah, I do too, but I'm so, I guess I'll just roll with you guys because I, I, I don't know who I am. So I'm just going to keep doing my thing. How did I get up? How did I get in jail? Oh, I let everybody else shape my future. Why am I not graduating high school? Because I don't believe in myself. Why am I sleeping around with everybody? Because I just want to feel loved. Why am I slanging? Why am I selling drugs and going to parties and acting like the big shot? Because I'm so afraid of my future. And I just want to be liked by somebody. I just want to be able to contribute, make people laugh, give people a good time. Well, until your friends get hooked on drugs and pass away. Yeah. Tell you get phone calls. Hey, so-and-so lost his life to drugs. So-and-so's in prison. So-and-so's in the uh, asylum asylum in Lakewood. Because he lost his mind. We got a generation that has been lied to. There is freedom for you. There is peace for you. There is purpose for you. Stop pushing it off. Stop rejecting God's love. Stop trying to deflect it because you don't feel like I deserve it. Nobody deserves it. God freely gave it and said, whoever would choose my son, there's his grace. You might not. Your pro that's, that's your decision. Whoever would choose my son, everything that you've made a mess of, son, everything that you've done, I'm going to cover it with my forgiveness. The blood of Jesus covers all sin. Here's the question I want you to remember. Where are you? Where are you?
Where are you? Get real. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Who are you? This world doesn't, this world needs grace-filled, redeemed, forgiven followers of Jesus. They need to be able to look at you and go, man, if there's hope for your life, maybe there's hope for my life. Maybe I don't have to be depressed anymore or anxious or feeling like suicidal. Maybe there's actually hope for my life. I see something different in you, man. You wake up, you have a different joy. Yeah, you walk through hard times, but there's something different about it. You have now a hope that's bigger than this world. What's your hope? My hope is Jesus. There's only one way you come to Jesus. One way. One way. Broke open and poured out. That's it. You can come to church all you want and be like, that was a good sermon. And you will leave the exact same way you came in. Or you could come broke open and poured out. And you could walk out here a completely transformed human being. Why? Because God always beats us at the level of our sacrifice. How much of yourself are you willing to give up? How much of yourself are you willing to give up? You only come to Jesus one way. Religious people used to always come to Jesus. Jesus, 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 what do I have to do to, re- what do I have to do to receive eternity? What do I have to do to make myself feel comfortable? What do I have to do to make sure I receive eternal life? Jesus looked at them and said, leave everything and follow me. Guess what they didn't do? That. Then you got widows coming to them. Jesus, what do I have to do to be accepted by, by, by culture? What do I have to do to be accepted by your kingdom? Break it open and pour it out says this mark 14 3 this woman lazarus sister mary mary was also this one that was the one in the bible if you read about it that was filled with impure spirits and jesus looked at her and loved her and literally laid his hands on her and released her from all the torment and bondage that she's ever walked through because that's what god's love does God's love touches you right where you are, releases you from every bondage, every pain, everything that you've ever carried. Then he sets you on a journey of grace with the church and with people to help shape you into who you're called to be. This woman comes in. Jesus is hanging out with his buddy that's a leper at the time, just full of diseases. He's reclining at the table. This woman comes in. And Mark 14 says this. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, Jesus is just like this, hanging out with his friends. Just having a good time, enjoying the life that he has on this earth 33 years before he knew that he was going to go die for humanity. He's just sitting there. It says a woman came in with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and she poured it over his head. She took this really expensive perfume. Man, what's this worth to me? Really expensive. This this secret, this is worth everything to me. This pain, ooh, this is worth everything to me. What's been done to me, this is worth everything to me. But Jesus, you're worth more. So I'm going to take the most expensive thing in my life this expensive perfume, this fragrance, and I'm going to pour it out a little bit? Nah. Nah. 
How often do we come into church? Okay, God, I'm going to give you just a little bit. I'm, gonna give you, I'm just going to give you a little bit of my heart, a little bit of my influence on my high school. I'm just going to give you a little bit. No, 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 no. The Bible says this woman, forgiven of her sins, seeing her brother raised from the dead, came before Jesus and said, boom, and broke the flask wide open. And what did it release? It released the fragrance of sacrifice in the room. It released the fragrance of freedom in the room. It released the fragrance of forgiveness in the room. Do you know what happens when you break yourself open and pour yourself out before Jesus? You know what happens? Your friends look at you and go, man, I'm feeling the same thing, man. I'm walking through the same thing. I know what it's like to be broken, but I've gone through church too many times to just pour a little out, Jesus. Heal me of my sin and send me on my way. No, no. She took this very costly and she shattered it at the feet of her Savior and released a fragrance in the room. How much is Jesus worth to you? I feel like the Lord's asking, how much is Jesus worth to you? Because I'll tell you right now, I know how much you're worth to him. I know how much you're worth to him. Where you don't feel worth, as Jesus was hanging on a cross, on a Roman cross, he was picturing all of humanity and going, God, I don't want this, but let your will be done so that your people can find forgiveness through my righteousness. I did nothing wrong, but I have the righteous blood running through my veins, and I'm freely willing to pour it out. The question is, how much are you willing to pour out? That's the question. See, if we see in we see in Genesis, Adam. Adam's the first man. Eve's the first woman. And then you read in your Bible, and it says that Jesus was the last Adam. What does that mean? It means the way that God intended for us to live in the garden with him, completely whole, when sin entered the world, why we feel so fragmented and far from God, Jesus says, I'm now the last Adam that you will ever see. Did you know A stands for Adonai? Adonai means God. And Dom means blood. Jesus is saying, my blood on that rugged cross for your life. My blood on that rugged cross for your life. Do you know people that receive grace and get transformed? I'm almost done. I love you guys so much. 
Do you know people that walk out of church transformed by God's grace? Do you know who those people are? Those are the people that know that they need it. It's hard to receive something that you don't feel like you need. It's hard to receive something that you don't feel like you need. Nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm just, I'll just work my way into good standings. I'll just, there's no working our way into heaven, you guys. There's no moral code. There's no law. There's the pure gospel good news of Jesus. That God came down to us. And he looked at his perfume and he said, it's worth it all. feel like there's like a really sweet just presence of God that people are just feeling tonight. Just a sweet presence of his, his love and his kingdom that maybe you've never ever felt. I remember when I came to church, it was the weirdest thing. I was like, what y'all worshiping? That's weird. There's just people up there. Like y'all are crazy hopping around. What is happening right now? And I also remember feeling like this is also, this also feels really right. Like for the first time, I actually have peace. I go home, I, I get yelled at. I go home, I get hit. I go, I go home, I, people tell me how worthless I am. But here, just kind of weird Christians, but they make me, they make me feel valuable. Maybe this is peace you haven't had in a while. I wrote this for you guys because, one, I love you. Two, I don't believe you guys deserve second best. And three, I heard the Lord say, I need to tell my people it's time to address the mess. The devil's a liar. He's mad at me right now. He hates me. I'm telling you what, I'm serious. I've been under more attack and fear and anxiety than I ever have in my life. And I'm not a fearful and anxious person. But I've been having these weird moments where all of a sudden I'm, I'm afraid of things I never thought I'd be afraid of. The devil did not want me to bring this message to you because it's setting some people free. It's setting some people free because you guys are coming to the realization like, man, we need authentic, real, kingdom come relationship experience with the risen Christ. People really need freedom. People are going through some really difficult things, man. And I was one. And I'm grateful for a church that wrapped their arms around me and taught me what this, this thing called God was. So my question is, we're going to go into worship. Every time you pick up your perfume or your cologne, remember this. How much is Jesus worth to you? Every time you see a cross that's on someone's neck, something that they're wearing, I want you to remember how much you were worth to him and are worth to him.
And now is the time for the Lord to do what he does best and show up. And I want you to ask yourself, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to go back into worship. Everybody just give yourself a moment real quick. Just, I believe this is a holy time. Just bow your heads. Just give yourself a moment of just, just breathe. School works hard. Family life's hard. Friendships are hard. Future's hard. Just breathe. Just breathe. Father, I thank you for everything you did tonight, everything you spoke, every person that is here. Jesus, my prayer right now is that not one would leave the same that they came in. Lord, it's time for you now to do what you do best, and that's transform a human heart. I've been your vessel. I've come down from Everett to speak, to love, to be with this amazing youth ministry, to share your word of truth with them so that they can wrestle with it in their own life. But Jesus, now it's your time. It's your time to knock on the door of their heart, to invite them into relationship. <laughs>